It's Cofield and Company. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Friday, Friday, Friday. Busy weekend coming up. Busy day in sports. Like five stories came down in the last hour or so. So we'll get them all in. That's what Cofield and Company is all about. Fast, 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 fast. Willie Ramirez is here. As the company, we're in our Finley Toyota Studios. PGA talk today. A little UNLV basketball with uh, two former Rebels going into the UNLV Athletics Hall of Fame tomorrow, so Everett Gray will join us. Raiders Insider, Stanford Route, too much to get to. It's the three on Cofield and Company. PGA update. It would be nice to see the very rotund and entertaining John Daly, but more importantly, Tiger Woods. Make the cut. Watch him this weekend. Progress right now, Willie. Tiger... Shot a 74 on Thursday. That was about the projected line. was probably plus three at the time. He's one under today through 10. So he's at plus three. The cut is projected at plus four. So right now he appears to be inside the cut line, but still got to finish on the course. And then our buddy John Daly, the everyman, was two over yesterday. Today, not so good. Plus four, plus six overall, won't make the cut if he doesn't pull out some miracles here on, I think, 17 and 18. I think he's through 16. And people did notice yesterday the Daily Post round made a visit to the Tulsa Hooters and also was sitting at a casino hmm. playing the machines. I hope no one is going to suggest, like, he's not ready. To play on Friday when he does that post round. Like, what do we expect him to do? Actually, what do we expect most of the guys to do? Do you think they just chill out or they go have a couple of pops, have a big dinner? What do you think most golfers do? I'm good, by the way. How we get right into it. There's, there, there's no hellos in radio anymore. So, oh. And there's no so hellos on the show. Well, sometimes there are. Sometimes it's like, hey, buddy, how are you? Yeah. Start of the show. We got to get going faster. All when right, you're let's on. go. All right. Uh, <laughs> When I'm on, yeah. that's a nice little. We just saw each other last night. I sat next to you for three hours. You hosted me at the Aces game. We talked. I know, I know. Like I said, I, 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 I feel I, I, like I was fun, just, we walked fun, out to the garage. What's funny? We hugged, we kissed, we said <laughs> whoa, goodbye. Whoa, like man whoa. kiss, you know, like a little cheek to cheek, the Italian thing, whatever. Oh, for the body. Like that. Paisan, but we were just together. I don't know. And you know what's funny about that? What happened the last eight hours? I was going to go. Okay, is your leg all right? I was going to go. Your car good? I was going to go. chain. Okay, you good? Now? I was going to go on. rogue on the rundown oh, based are? off last night go rogue. because it, it it jarred a memory. Go rogue of, later. Oh, okay, okay. What, no, uh, go, now you now, now you now you got us ready. What's going rogue? What what do we got to do here? I want to hear this. You you really want to go down this road? 
I, yes. It's entertaining. Well, we'll decide. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's Sitting not. Sitting on press row with Cofield for three hours, I say, it, it reminded me of when I rejoined the the the, the media scene because I took a hiatus to as a single dad, as you know this, and, and I would get retained by the Mountain West every year as their recap writer for the tournament, mm-hmm. basketball, men's and women's. Mm-hmm. When I first came back on the beat, I think it was, didn't you go away from Vegas and return for a little bit? Or did you? Or no? I'm asking you. No. You, you're, you've been here forever. You've never took No, a, I did leave, but I really didn't know you back then. I left in like right. 2000, Do you remember an occasion when you walked, when I was sitting in my seat, designated seat at the Mountain oh West, and you, you walked by. Huh. We hadn't really met. Oh, boy. And this was yeah. before I paid I got to tell you, every time there's like a first or early encounter story involving me, it doesn't go well for me. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it real quick. But I so, want, no, so no, I just, I want to hear it because we, we're, like, we're good buddies with Tony Miller down at the Golden Nugget, yeah. and... Like, as I forged a, a friendship with Tony, like, after a couple of years, he's like, you know, you remember the first time that you and Dave Koken met me? And I'm like, no, nah, not really. We didn't. Like, this isn't the first like, time you we guys met. Were, you guys were total jerks. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. This wasn't the like, first time we met. You completely ignored me. I'm like, oh, this sorry. wasn't. No, you didn't ignore me either. This wasn't the first time we met because later on at Rebel Games, we would talk and I would always pay compliments to the show and, and everything. But anyway. It worked. Here's what happened. So I'm sitting there at press row. And I'm, I'm at the designated seat that the Mountain West would put me at. And it's normally where AP would sit at. And you walked by. And you <laughs> literally, so so let's say that Ari's me. Okay? You went like this. You chuckled, <laughs> shook your head, you and sh- chuckled, shook your head, like in disgust, and just kept going. And it was directly me because there was no one else around. I was like... Huh. Who is this schmo? Yeah. Do I need to get up and punch him in his face? Or I don't even, probably, I don't even know did. who he is. Yeah, you probably did. He knew who I was because he turned, le- looked, laughed, and it dawned on me last night. I was like, man, I always remember that very first time the Cofield encountered me, and he gave me this look like I was a nobody, and I needed to check him, but I didn't. And now we're sitting here schmoozing at the Aces game. It's funny, huh? It funny. Was. It was. Now, well, you know you, what it you is? Wanna, you you wanna got know to know hap- me, and you realize I was a genuine guy. Do you want to know what happens every year at the Mountain West Conference Tournament? So I'll pull back the curtain. So, we, we're, we've we been the flagship of UNLV forever, right? We're yeah, intertwined yeah. with UNLV Athletics. We're yeah. intertwined with the Mountain West Conference. We used to, I don't know what's happened lately, we used to run the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Mm. The broadcast teams would ask ESPN Las Vegas people to come on and fill in at the half. Oh, and I swear yeah. to God, every year I go to the Mountain West Conference Tournament, we have no seats. Oh. So, it's nothing personal. Like, I, I, I did it again this year. I walked out. I'm like, how many dot-com startup things have seats here? I'm, and I'm usually, I, I really, you know I don't care, right? No, no, no. But I'm like, no, no. I, like it's not like, a, a you know, a, we're bigger than everyone else. But every time I walk into that freaking tournament, I'm like, there's no seats. Right. For ESPN Radio. And, and what's funny is. And what, I guarantee, if there's other yeah. media people, they're like, oh, jerk. I'm like, we run the games. <laughs> Can we have a seat? That makes sense because when I first st- started getting back to get my name out there and build a brand outside of AP, and back then they were covering UNLV more. It wasn't well, just it's it was AP. Just I, I no, hope, but I wasn't. I hope I didn't I, look at AP and go, "Who is this?" No, I wasn't jackass. AP though. I was because Mountain West had started hiring me for three years straight, and I did their recap because they paid me a ton so more. I probably, it was pro- they probably was, said Mountain West, and I was like, <laughs> "No, but no." Because that's another thing. I'm like, "Oh, this is good." Mount- no. I know it's their tournament, but I'm like, of the 90 seats, they've got 72. But like, how the, many people do you have here? At the beginning of Can the I sit new... and watch the game and cover it? <laughs> Go ahead. At the beginning of the new tenure of my career, I did 
push WGRamirez.com a lot because it was my only outlet to have continuous bylines. Right, well. So you were probably going, this guy runs his own site, and all of a sudden he's sitting courtside and I'm not? It makes it sound like I have such an attitude. It's just a, it's just, just an observation. I just... I just would I like just I would was, like the station just, to have some seats, and I will tell you when I when I well, there's a lot of times when I first walk into a venue yeah. that I'm like bouncing off the walls, like trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing, how yeah. I'm setting up. Like you know, I, I get the places that I'm like all business when I first walk in. So well, last night when you first walked in, I think you were you were proud to know that your company for the show was on TV. I did. I saw you. Uh, I saw you talking to uh, NBC local, and then uh, you and I were sitting near our good friend Paloma. Paloma's yeah, always yeah. Uh, around us uh, for UNLV stuff for basketball yeah. and football. So a lot of familiar faces. We're going to get to the Aces here in about fifteen minutes. Um, so, so PGA, we got Tiger potentially making the cut. John Daly not. Um, and as I mentioned, John Daly hit a Hooters, but I think he's got a big Hooters deal. He actually lined up his kid. His kid's a golfer, yeah. uh, chubby like his dad. It is uh, his his kid's got a Hooters deal. So. I mean, what else is he going to do? You know, he's I'm 56. I'm glad to see him out there. He's having fun. Yeah. You know, still grips it and rips it. And then afterwards goes and loses some money at the casino and, you know, eats some chicken wings and, uh, and looks, at, looks at some boobs. You don't, right? Who so says a, that you have to go to a steakhouse or, 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 or like a, you know, a respectable joint? Who says you have to Let do Let me get that? a salad and an IV for tomorrow. No. Whatever. Go you where know, you want. John, John Daly's going to do what he wants. If you want to go to a, a gentleman's club to re- unwind, go. If I could, I would do that every Friday to unwind after work, hey. getting ready for Saturday. That yeah. would be my post-show dealio. Whatever, get whatever it is that you got to do to unwind. You're a professional athlete. By all means, go do it. I mean, and John Daly's led a rough life. He's been, you know, we've seen his vulnerability. He's never been ashamed to somewhat show it, wear it on his sleeve. So he deserves and earns the respect and the allowance, if you will, to do what he wants after a... He's not breaking any laws. He's not disrespecting anybody. He's having fun. He's sitting at the machine. Whatever it is, God love him. Like you would walk up to John Daly and... I respect John Daly. Yeah, no, I'm saying you walk up to, hey, can I get a picture? No. Well, if I didn't have a press pass on. Say you would for my story here. Um, If Phil Mickelson were sitting at a machine post-round, would you walk up to him? Sure. Punch him right in the jugular. <laughs> or I'd, I'd say here. Very violent to, start to the show. He wanted I, to punch me 15 years ago, and now we know you want to punch Mickelson. Well, I'd, I'd offer him some cheese because he's a rat. Yeah. You could have just left it to that. We would have figured it out. We would have got it. Uh, Will Zalatoris leads PGA. He's only through 12, though, so he's 7 under. He's rocking and rolling. Uh, Justin Thomas is 6 under. So mm. we've almost gone a full week of business days really not much of a peep from vgk on the coaching search front no and and the more th- the one thing that i'm more shocked at is we haven't heard the uh you know those quote unquote the or the tweets sources hearing mm-hmm. are you surprised that not that higher but that, that there's not even an interview the only thing that got leaked you're right, because the interview could come. The inter- interview info we could haven't come even from. We have like so and so's coming subject. in. I'm hearing that so and so's coming in for an interview. Yeah, but those kind of leaks don't happen with VGK outside of whoever's leaking Saravelli, the uh, Leonard stuff. Well, it does because all the agents they love to co- they love to re- leak all this okay. kind of stuff. All they right. do. All right. they, kind of, well, we don't know so about Vegas with coaches because the last time it was in the middle of the season. So what does that mean? 
they haven't even started, or they're just they have this they, really buttoned up. No, I think it goes back to what all of us have said in that they didn't make this move without knowing exactly who they want. They have the they have the platter ready to be served, and they're just waiting to 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 do what they got to do because there's no Rooney rule, there's no protocol. They don't have to follow a specific rule of orders. They can hire whoever they want. They don't have to go through a pro. I mean, they bring them in and interview them, obviously, but. These guys are cemented into hockey. George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon are run deep in this sport where they know everybody. I thought it was interesting the other day, and we hadn't hit on this yet because it just hit me. Um, when Kelly McCrimmon did his press conference on Monday, he went out of his way a couple times to compliment Pete DeBoer and say he did a good job. Does that mean anything? Does that mean that McCrimmon didn't make the decision or McPhee didn't make the decision? Was it... Was it Foley? You think it was Foley? Ultimately, it was like, you got to get rid of DeBoer. Or did they fight for him? Or was McCrimmon just trying to be nice? I did read an article um, by one of those self-made sites, but it's one. It's probably the best one of them all that I do respect, and I and I, and I like the owner. There's of, lots I, of good sites out there. Just because no, they have a seat at the Mountain West Conference tournament doesn't, doesn't mean they're all <laughs> not legit. By the way, there were, there were a ton of good media members you know who were working their ass off covering the Aces last night. Again, yeah. we'll get to the Aces in a couple minutes, um, but keep going. That said, that ultimately, that it was Bill Foley who made the decision. Now, it wasn't; it didn't come down from him, but he did have a, a, a more than more than McCrimmon put it to us when he said, "You know, I had numerous conversations with uh, DeBoer. Then George and I spoke. Then we went to Bill. He supported us. It's I, I personally think that, you know." Um, that Bill did have a little more than just approving of this. But, uh, you know, he did compliment Pete, and then it was funny when I questioned him about something, and he said to me, he goes, well, he came back, and he said, well, I don't know how you can say that he it wasn't a success. Well, uh, You guys are all grumbling in the yeah. room. You're like, you fired the guy, yeah, so it couldn't he, have been a success. Yeah, how much of a success was it? Well, that, then that gets me thinking, like, hey, did, did McCrimmon, part of him, like, hey, Bill, I don't really want to get rid of him. On the way back, let's talk about the power structure and who is actually going to make the decision on this next head coach for the Golden Knights. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Jefferson had a good game here. Picked off Jackie Young. She's going all the way, trying to draw contact from Powers. Off the glass, Jackie Young score it. Big bucket there. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Willie Ramirez is here. He's the company. It's Cofield. lot to get to. We're going to talk to Everett Gray, talk some UNLV basketball. Two UNLV players are going into the uh, Rebel Athletic Hall of Fame on Saturday, Anderson Hunt and Wink Adams. Well, we were just talking about, you know, a week has gone by, at least business days, since Pete DeBoer was fired, and we really haven't heard a whisper yet, and that's about what I expected, buttoned-up organization about who the new head coach is going to be. And, you know, I was thinking, who's actually going to make the decision? Who did make the decision to get rid of DeBoer? Again, you know, you, you theorize. So in this case, um, the next head coach, Willie, mm. three-way decision. They all have 33% of the responsibility, right? Foley. McPhee, McCrimmon, or do we need to change those percentages? As far as making the decision on the coach, yeah. Is it? I don't. Is think it forty-five, forty-five, ten, and the ten is Kelly McCrimmon? No, 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 
No. Is it Foley? Ninety percent. Forty. McCrimmon. McPhee agreeing and deciding this is the route, and then the twenty percent is hoping that they can convince Foley and sell him on the idea in the fact that this is who we need. Because I want to go back to the opening year. I'm sure that Bill, Bill Foley's obviously a smart man. He's a brilliant man, right? He's a millionaire. And but at the beginning, we heard that you know he he, he wasn't necessarily familiar with NHL, the inner workings in hockey. So that's why he had McPhee, a brain trust. So he trusted everything. So he's learned over the years. But these, again, I'll repeat it, as I said earlier, these are two guys that have been, this is hockey all their life. This is all they know. So they're going to they're gonna bring and present. It's their job to present and fully to say, okay, well, but I think that he's going to have this, the type of say-so that says, uh, you better get it right. Yeah, exactly. Have you ever been involved in a mix to hire someone? Yes. Okay. So, and you were not the boss, right? No, but they no. said, hey, you know what? You got to. I was going to be the person supervisor. Yeah. You, okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's good, yeah. right? Yeah. So I know from personal experience, when you recommend a hire, right, to yeah. your boss, they go with it. And then you come back a year later and you're like, ooh, problem, 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 problem. One of their first reactions is going to be. I thought you said. This is what you wanted. Right. What do you mean? Right. What do you mean they don't show up on time? What do you mean they don't communicate? What do you mean you think they have a drug problem? You, hey, you vouch for them. Jesus. What do you mean? What's going on here? You don't nail it every time, boss. So I wonder how much trust. And listen, he retained. I'm talking about Foley. He retained McCrimmon. Keeping McPhee, you wonder how much trust he has in him. We had Daniel Negreanu on yesterday, who's a you know big VGK fan, big hockey fan, kid poker, and he's started saying late in the season, you know, Kelly McCrimmon could be the issue. He, believe me, based on the conversation, Negreanu was not a DeBoer fan either, but he started going in on McCrimmon, and when you you know you start thinking about some of the moves here, not everything has come up a big success. You look at every deal he's made over the last couple of years with the exception of Chandler Stevenson, which was a steal, he's gotten fleeced in every deal. He's made the team worse with every single impulsive uh, move that he's made, playing a, playing like a, like he owns a fantasy team. Do you think that's the case? That McCrimmon has been too loosey-goosey with some of the moves? Well, he's been, as I've used this phrase long before, uh, they, Kelly commented on it a few weeks ago at the exit interviews where he said, I'm not sure who started saying the shiny new toy, and I don't think I was the first one, but... I think that they've definitely, but I think that comes from Bill Foley. I yeah. think the excitement that he saw over the, like, we got to the Stanley Cup. Now what do we do? How do we get this? What do we got to get? There are bump, owners bump, bump. who are big game hunters. I think yeah. Mark Davis has some of that in him. So, well, you know, the, this new management team comes in and they're like, totally hey, different, though. Devontae Adams, right? But with Foley, they've gone out. I mean, they went from the misfits and they started turning it over. It's like, hey, let's trade they've some prospects. Too much. Let's get patches. Yeah. Let's get Stone. Let's get Eichel. You know, they, they've gone out. Petrangelo. Yep. Uh, yeah. Continue with Negreanu here talking about McCrimmon and a lot of the moves. We had injury issues. We traded for injury issues. We traded for a player that was going to be out till February or March. So, like, I get, you know, blaming injuries to a certain degree, but you literally created the situation, too, because you would have had Tuck and Krebs during that season, during the hard months when you needed bodies, but you chose to go the Eichel route, which, again, I'm not saying that deal was a bad one, but, you know, you can't cry foul when you created the situation that you're crying about. 
100% agree with Daniel. And, and let me just say real quick about Daniel. He's not just a, a hockey fan and a, like a diehard Golden Knights. Like, I, I crossed paths with Nagarano back in the day when web TV first started. This dude knows hockey. He's always been a hockey fan. He's talked hockey a lot. So he knows his stuff. But I agree 100% because it was almost like it was an unnecessary move. It was like, hey, we have a chance to go get Jack Eichel. Let's go get it. They had to... They had to do some finagling and moving and, and figuring out what the salary cap, but he's right in that there's nothing wrong with Alex Tuck. And we're not going to know if that trade worked out until next season when he has a full six, eight months of playing time. Ticket giveaway time on a Friday, 364-1100, caller 7. We've got David Blaine coming to town, and it's a residency. Resorts World Theater. Things start up on September 30th. David Blaine live. The uh, tickets go on sale this Monday, 10 a.m., axs.com. we got a pair right now. You can go to axs.com to buy the tickets, rwlasvegas.com to buy the tickets. We've got tickets right now, 364-1100, caller 7 for David Blaine live. When he arrives in Las Vegas with that residency, David Blaine live, 364-1100. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. I thought Luca played too slow. He needs to be more decisive at the point of attack and be more aggressive in setting the tone for his team, letting those role players know, hey, I am here tonight. I'm in a good place. It allows guys to settle in and be a little bit more comfortable. So look for him. I think you know, 12 to 15 point first quarter. I think that's going to be his mindset. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Tim Legler talking about Dallas and Golden State. We got game two coming up. Willie, Cofield, Friday, Cofield and Company. So you mentioned at the start of the show, we were both out at the Aces game. They win 93-87. They get off to a hot start, shooting the ball well, 9-9, 4-4 from three. Game settled in, bunch of runs where pretty much it seemed to me pretty much any time the Aces wanted to press on the gas pedal, they could push the lead out to uh, you know eight, ten, twelve points. Links hung around. Links also a team that's just getting a lot of their players back, so I think they're, they'll probably be at least a five hundred team. They're off to a, what one and five start. Fantastic comment by Becky after the game about that. By the way, yeah, yeah, she defended the Links, yeah. saying hey, that that's not a bad team just because they played as close. That's not their real team yet. Right. She said that's not a one and five team. Than one team, and when they came here, they were a one and O team, because when they got here, they had, were one game after they had become full strength. Kayla McBride had rejoined the team. You know, they had. You they want to had, explain the rejoining part? Uh, Kayla McBride plays over, just like a lot of the players. Well, a lot of the teams, right? A lot of the teams, a lot of the players, as we're seeing and hearing this ongoing saga with Brittany Griner. But the players go overseas because they make more money overseas and playing in different leagues. Uh, Kayla was playing in the Turkish League, as was Kia Stokes with the uh, Las Vegas Aces. So, um, and they had some turnover, weird turnover, which is too clustered to get into. But they had waived a bunch of players, re-signed a bunch of players over the first week, which was kind of odd. I don't know if there's been an explanation what was going on with the team as far as the chemistry and all that. But they did have a rough start. Their the roster as they as they're going to know it the rest of the season just got you know, the game before the Aces, and then they won. They won their first game. And they gave the Aces a good uh, a good, uh, a good, battle. You know, Sylvia Fowle is one of the greatest players in, in, in league history. I mean, she's, 
you know, she's starring in the middle. Kayla actually had a, had a rough game. I, you know, I don't know if it got to her a little bit being back in Vegas. It's not it's not her first time playing against the Aces since she left. But um, no, they gave them a good game. They 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 uh, they hung around, like you said. They made some runs. Vegas, their defense, which we'll hear. I think you, Becky, five o'clock do? hour. Yeah. So uh, she had a nice comment about that, but uh, it ended up being a very good game and challenging, which I think the Aces needed. I enjoyed the show. The whole thing. I you thought got- it was a good brand of basketball. The The faster pace was entertaining. Uh, I know you talked to Lambeer after the game. We'll get to that in a couple minutes. But Lambeer even admitted that the style they were playing is something they had to move forward from. You don't hear coaches say that, yeah. right? Coaches that move on, retire, yeah. and he's retiring. And last night was Bill Lambeer night, and they honored him. And uh, But he said, hey, you know what? Now they're playing more of an up-tempo style. I, I really enjoyed the style. I liked uh, – you know, the way Kelsey Plum played, um, I still think she needs to cut down on mistakes and, you know, over-penetration. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the way she plays, and there's a lot of positives to that, too, because defensively, you're like, okay, she's always driving hard. You don't know when the hell she's going to shoot. But they've got so many good guards. Jackie Young's awesome. She had 25 last night. It's incredible. And played good D. Uh, the big players were pretty good in spite of the fact that they're playing against Sylvia Fowles, who I'd never seen in person before. What a gigantic lady. Yeah. And, you know, like people might be like, oh, you can't shoot it! She's six foot six, two hundred and twenty pounds, and agile. And, and she move at thirty six years old. Like you would figure, she'd just be lumbering up and down the floor. Oh. She's got great footwork. She's got a mid range game, and she's big. Yeah, like that is a naturally big woman. And here's the thing, though, right? Here's the thing. Now I think women's basketball is still playing a lot of those three to six, seven players, and we'll see how the game changes as, you know, Becky Hammond maybe changes the WNBA and they go fast, 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 fast. But if you're going to play someone who's six, 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 seven, the other team may run you off the floor. And that's where I thought, I thought the Lynx got real tired yeah. down, you know, late. And that's when you see it, when you have the, the, it wasn't depth. It was about pace. And that's the other thing. Give credit. Um, Someone at the press conference was asking Becky Hammond about a lack of depth and a bunch of players playing like 28-plus minutes, and she shot that down immediately. She's like, hey, you can do that in this league. You know, you can play a lot of minutes. And they they played basically five players. They got like 27 minutes plus, and they still had more gas in the tank, which tells me there's a culture about being in shape, and there's a culture of running the opposition into the freaking ground, which I love. Two things on that. One is the conditioning and everything, you know, who who sort of dictates that and is, well, I don't know, solely, but Kelly, Kelsey Plum made a comment on a Zoom recently, and she said, I feel I'm the most conditioned player in the entire league for the work that I put in, and I was even tired. But that was after that Mystics games where they only had one day off and yeah. a delayed flight. But the other thing is, the reason that, and- I believe that was Andy from the Review Journal that asked that, and he's actually really, he's done a great job, but the reason he asked that question is because earlier in the year, at some point, Becky mentioned earlier in the year, we're only six games in, Becky made mention that she was giving too many minutes to, she doesn't want to spend all her minutes on her stars and she wants to be able to spread it out. I was curious why she didn't put Sidney Colson in, why she didn't use uh, Kirsten Bell when they're on the bench and they're very capable players, even to just give them five, six minute breathing uh, room. Maybe it was because Kia Stokes was back. Maybe because Asia Shepard is playing well, but she did have a couple of other bodies. But she did make mention of not too long ago about playing too much, her starters for too long. It was Bill Lambeer night. He's retiring. Yeah. 
And I know you've been very big on mentioning his role in the history of the league, that it was a big deal that a name like Lambeer coached in multiple spots. You know, hey, Lambeer, if he wanted to, could have been, you know, 25 straight years after his career in the NBA, made a lot of money, but he rolled the dice, became part of the league, uh, added some legitimacy to it. And that's not to insult the league, but it is a league that is still growing. And, you know, names at the time, anything to get people out. Hey, Bill Lambeer. Right. You know, that was, I think that was a big thing about them moving to Vegas. But you caught up with Lambeer. After the game, and you guys started talking about um, Lampier, and 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 asked him like, "Hey, when you first came in, what was your mission coming into the league? Like, why were you here? What were you doing for the ladies?" It's not women versus men. It's it's they're professional basketball players, and I think the players understood when I came in, and they, I preached that one. Um, they appreciated that one. That they're they're not men or women. They're basketball players and professional basketball players. And I tried to make it all about the players. Uh, I was a player and. And coaches, and I became a coach. Um, it's still about the players. The coach is not the show. Without without the players, none of us have jobs. And so that's my whole focus on the players. And I think I've done a pretty good job with that one. I think one of the most special years for you because what I was impressed with is how you sort of took a back seat, even as a coach, was in the bubble, and it, because it was so emotional with everything that was going on. They are the players. And you know, and the women finally shone forth. A long time, a long time in this league, it was dominated by the franchises. Um, now, as the world has evolved and the players have evolved, and the, the players now dominate, and that's a given. It's still a work in process. There's no question about that one. There's a long way to go, but I think that the players now are in control in many ways. The owners now have a B in front of them. They're all billionaires coming in now so that's a big positive for our league because it used to be about money and now it's not about money now it's about product and, and put the product on the floor and take care of the product and that's what the owners are doing right now i like that point it's not about money which i've always thought in a lot of sports uh there shouldn't if owners are desperate for money when they own a professional team, they're probably not rich enough to own a professional team. Like, long range, your goal is, well, first of all, when you sell the team, you're probably going to make money, right? right? Mm -hmm. But to be a freaking bean counter the whole time, and, a lot, and, and I think he was also referencing that at the beginning, the WNBA was about survival. Um, and now it's gotten to a point where you got a guy like Mark Davis who owns a team and spends a million dollars on the coach. So well, I think uh, it's still I'll, about I'll survival. You, personally, yeah. um, Lambeer for me over the years because of the way he played and then even like when we interviewed him, he's short, he's gruff, he's direct. Um, the last couple of days hearing about, you know, hearing you talk about his contributions to women's basketball, hear him, hearing him explain it, hearing the women talk about what they did for him uh, coaching-wise, I have a much greater appreciation of his role mm -hmm. and what he did in the WNBA. And I, I thought it was I, I've, I thought it was great. I just don't remember hearing coaches saying, you know what? My time is up. I'm tired. I need to walk away. And this team is ready for the next step. Like, if you, maybe he has, but I'll give you a guy who probably should do that. Maybe he has. It was Mark Jackson. Like, I always feel like there's like there's some something with Mark Jackson from his days with the Warriors where it's like, you know, like I could have done that. Like, no, you probably couldn't. They needed to, to take the next step. Like, you maybe laid the groundwork. Same as Jason Kidd in, in Milwaukee. Yeah. Right? Sometimes you get a team to a point and then it's not going to move forward. And then the next guy or woman in the case of Becky Hammond is the right person. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and co.
back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Right, rolling in here uh, on a Friday. Willie Cofield. So Mountain West news is in. We had speculated about this last couple weeks. Yeah. Since the NCAA is giving approval to everyone. Who cares what the NCAA says anymore? But giving approval to everyone to go away from division formats, mm-hmm. you know, when they decide their conference championship game. Because, mm-hmm. um, well, you know, what you have in some of these conferences, you could have, like, first of all, the way they – Realign the Big Ten is stupid. Um, you've got Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State in one division. And then the other division oftentimes has Iowa and no one else because Nebraska, well, and Wisconsin because Nebraska hasn't been what they're supposed to be, right? So now most conferences are going to go to one big one big conference, but probably break it up in a pod so that you have your traditional matchups right. Right, that you play. So football starting in 2023 in the Mountain West is getting rid of the um, division, right? And then from there, and it's going to be next season, not this year. Right. Uh, from there, I'm guessing they're going to decide on three or four team pods. Yeah. So who do you think? I mean, there's an obvious one. Who has to be in UNLV's pod? What school? Reno. Right. After that, who, who's second? There's a part of me, even though there's enough to keep it in its own in, well, maybe there's not in California, but I think you got to have San Diego State. I mean, that would be my next one because. It wouldn't be my next one. Who would be your next one? Hawaii. Ninth really? Island, they've Ninth already got a trophy. Island. I think San Diego State is... And it's only three per... No, I'm guessing it's going to be four. Oh, okay. But it could be three. But if it's four in football, mine would be uh, UNLV, Hawaii. Fresno? Reno, San Diego State. And okay. then after that, you could decide. I, I, I would take New Mexico. But well, they'll yeah, have to figure it out. So I'm just we'll, thinking, we'll go. We'll go through. Yeah, we got yeah. Everett Gray on the horn, former running rebel. It's a big weekend for the rebels, as um, well all rebels really. Uh, athletic um, Hall of Fame induction this weekend with a bunch of people going in, including two running rebels, Anderson Hunt and Wink Adams. Everett, how you doing? It's Stephen Willie here in Vegas. How you guys doing, Stephen Willie? What's yeah, up? I'm about to. I'm about to go hang out with um, with Anderson. Should be very interesting. Nice afternoon. It's a. I tell you what, man. I, I'll, <laughs> I'm gonna just jump right into this because I. I'll never forget a story, a great story, involving Mark Wade and Armin Gilliam, um, and we were go. It was after Armin's rookie year, and uh, we were walking into the Meadows Mall. Uh, Armin insisted on driving, and we go to the Meadows Mall, and Mark stops. He says, "Hey, hang on a second. and then he catches up with us. He says, "I'm gonna tell you guys right now, if Tart gets this kid." They're going to win the national championship, and he's. And then we looked at him and said, "Okay, who was it?" And he says, "Anderson Hunt." Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a great. Yeah, I'll never he's forget a, that story. A good player, man. A lot of energy. Um, played hard the whole time. Um, no matter what um, situation, you can always count on Anderson, and and it was a joy playing with him. You know, and, and you know, a lot of people don't, you know, maybe that just were fans of the Runner Rebels and they know the big names of that national championship team. And then the fi- the next year, you know, they, they know it, they become fans and then they know the, the next year where you guys weren't able to go to the postseason uh, and it was you and JR and Dexter. But I don't think that a lot of people realize that you were part of that, that, that program. What did, what tell us about the bond that you create? You're about to hang out with Anderson, but you know, as far as your relationship and, and your memories from that. Right. So um you guys gotta realize my um my sit out or red year is a year we won it. Um so I was around those guys 
you know, the whole time, maybe for two years, two solid years. And every every time Anderson and I get a, get together, he always bring up, you think I should have came back? And I always say yes. You know, I always say yes, he should have came back. But, you know, you made your decision, and, you know, so you have to live with your decisions. So um, it was a great time. Everybody knows um, it, it was a great time and a great era. Um, even before that, you know, going back to Richie Adams and that group and Reggie Theus, and it, I can go on Mark Way, Freddie Banks. Um, the thing is that you guys probably, I don't know if you know the story, with me, my brother played football at UNLV with Randall Cunningham and Icky Woods. So I was always around the program as a kid, like as a young kid, elementary kid, um, growing up back in the day. So I was a, I was a ball boy for home games because my mom came up to every home game. So I got to get her you know, hang out with Randall Cunningham, catch punts because people don't realize Randall was a very good punter. Yes. Um, so I should catch I should catch from Randall. Really, young kids. So yeah. Wow. So it was it was a good experience for me going going back in the day, but it was a it was a great time, great era, and I want our and I want our school to try to get back to that era. I know it'll be hard, but it's um, you know hopefully Kevin's on the right on the right path, and hopefully that can make it he can make that happen. Yeah, they're they're certainly trying with both programs, uh, men's basketball and football, and they put a lot of money into it. And football's got their new facility and they're playing at uh, a legion on Anderson. And again, Anderson Hunt's going into the UNLV hall of fame this weekend. We got Everett Cray, who of course played with him. What, what, what was Anderson's role off of the court? Like who was the ringleader? Who was the leader off the court? <laughs> Come on, man. I can't. Now, Anderson was like, um, he, just, he was just a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, the guy that the thing is that that guy could hang out all night. We'll have a good time. And he'll be in the first and every sprint. You know, every time we had to run, he was first all the time. I don't know how he did it. I had no clue. Um, but he was just—he was that one guy on the team that was that brought everybody together. Um, every team has a guy like that, and everybody has a crazy guy on the team. But everybody has a guy that brings everybody together. He hung out with all cliques. You know, sometimes you have cliques on teams. So we, you know, Larry and Stacy had—they had their own situation. Greg. You know, from here, um, but it was you know those those role players that you know he brought everybody together and he and he and we hung out with him and he had no problem hanging out with uh, with like myself and you know Elmore Spencer and and um, Dexter even even when Dexter was sitting out so it was he was that guy that he was like a glue guy that yeah. kept everybody together. On the floor, who do you think was the biggest alpha? Was it was it Larry Johnson? Was it Greg Anthony? Who was it? Uh, it was Greg Anthony yeah. by far, and that's what you want out of your point guard. Yeah. You want him to be the alpha. But we know who we needed to go to. Um, our guy, our go to guy was was Larry, obviously. But um, the alpha guy was Greg, and you know, and we knew that. And you want your point guard. You always want to beat up your point guard all the time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. You are, you are. You know, me and Greg and. Yeah. We've, we've had some we had some tussles, but it, it was just we kept it in the gym, we kept it between the lines. But um, Greg was probably the our our leader on that team. That's funny that you say that because uh, obviously a guy like CP3, you know, going to the Hall of Fame, but he, yeah, you know, he's a great leader, but he's also a guy who can grade on people. I guess he graded on Pat Beverly in the past, but yeah, point guards have to have a certain kind of personality, and sometimes you're just gonna they're gonna be annoying. Pat Beverly was the worst on TV this week. You he didn't like it. Terrible. You didn't like it. Yeah. Oh, wow, he was terrible, and it was personal. You knew it was personal with yeah. him. 
and 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 it was it was bad. But and on the flip side, it was good on the on the flip side. But he was terrible on a, on TV because he was holding these personal vendettas, and he doesn't know how to be like working in the media. He doesn't have to doesn't realize you have to be Switzerland in the media sometimes. And he was just telling he was coming from the coming from the heart. And um, it was hilarious, but terrible at the same time. Hey, one more thing on the floor with Anderson. What was your recollection of, of basketball back then, being around a guy who would fire up, you know, six, eight, 10, 12, 14 threes? Like, that happens now, but that didn't happen, you know, near 30 years ago. Like, do you remember just watching and going, holy crap, this guy shoots a lot of threes? No, I just, um, that was just, I didn't think of anything like that. That was just our system. You yeah. know, Larry, Anderson ran the right side. If you if you will go back to our um, our system, two guards will run the right side, um, and the three man like I backed up Stacy, they ran the left side, and that's just what it is. The cool thing is that Anderson got hurt one game, and I had and Tart put me in the starting lineup, and I got to run the the right line, the right side because I back. I mean, I uh, he started me for Anderson instead of Travis Spice, and he said just play like Anderson. I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. So I can pull up, I can pull up off the break and shoot threes, and it was a cool thing because he had a little bit more freedom, and you'd have to rebound a little bit on on that two guard because if you go, if you really look at it, he had a lot of runouts because he didn't have the box out. He didn't really. He just check and run, and if you notice, he had a lot of dunks because he didn't have to really back the box out. So when I had that role for one game, uh, it was the coolest thing ever because I didn't have the box out. He just check him and run, and I'm out and get an easy layup. So Eric, I got to ask you. I mean, you know, is that's on the court, off the court? Um, I, I tend to think that Anderson always got a bad rap just because of the 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 roster that he played upon and the greatness that sort of made its way to the NBA. When you talk about Greg, when you talk about Larry, when you talk about Stacy, and of course, you know, a couple of years after the the Final Fours, uh, Anderson's mm-hmm. arrested for marijuana possession, which thirty nine years later or twenty nine years later, whatever it would be, uh, mm-hmm. nineteen. That wouldn't even be the case now because it's legal just about everywhere. But, you know, it's, it was so close to the Final Four that people are like, oh, man, you know, what a disappointment. But I feel like Anderson got a bad rep because people didn't get the chance. And he was also in the hot tub photo. So did people just mm. not give him get to know Anderson or know that it, it, it's almost like you're greedy? All you wanted to see was what he could do on the court. And then off the court, all you're looking at is the bad things. Um, I think, you know, I, I mean, you know, everybody loves Anderson. Um, I, I, I don't know anyone that ever said anything bad about Anderson, even after the photo, to be honest. So um, the photo was bad. But, you know, I don't think, you know, he's a, he's a, he was a young kid, you know, 21, 22 years old. He made a mistake. We all make mistakes when we were young, but um, it was a photo, and that was it. Um, I didn't hear anything else after the photos. Just it was just the timing was terrible. They were trying to get trying to get Jerry out, push Sark out of it, out of out of here. And actually, they did a good job getting him out. But I think I don't think he gets a bad rap. I think people love Anderson in, in, in Las Vegas, and and I think all over Nevada, I think they like they really like um, Anderson. And you know, he brought us. Um, a national championship, and he was a he was an MVP of the national championship with all those stars on the floor. He was a, the brightest, and so um, me personally, I don't I didn't really hear any bad thing about Hunt. Now, does people 
say bad things? Absolutely. But I didn't hear anything bad about him. And um, I think he did a, a great job. And people love him. People still talk about him. A lot of them, when I was in and out of the NBA, that's all they want to talk about. They knew who Larry and Stacey and Greg were. Uh, but they always talked about Anderson because of his personality and how he got along with everyone. Everick, have a good time this weekend hanging out. It's always good to uh, get with you, and we appreciate a couple minutes. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys. Okay, there he is. Everett Gray had that sit-out year, was around all those guys, got to watch all of it, and I'm glad uh, you know he it's – not, it's not about setting the record straight right. with Anderson – it's about a guy who I don't think has gotten the attention of all the other guys on that team. And he, I'm glad he said, you know, off, off the court that he was a guy who mixed with really everyone, that he was a, a great bonder for that team. And those are things that can lead to national championships.